Welcome to the first episode of Sign, Sealed, and Committed, a podcast that provides insight on what to expect as an incoming collegiate athlete. I'm your host, Grant Conway. On the Sign, Sealed, and Committed podcast, you can expect to hear from current and former college coaches and student athletes about everything you need to know related to the recruiting process. You will hear personal recruitment stories, learn how to contact and talk with college coaches, understand what type of college or university is right for you, how you can prepare yourself now, and much more. But before we dive into all of that, I want to share some insight on who I am and why I have started this podcast. I'm just a small town kid from Missouri who's always had a passion for sports. Growing up, I did everything from wrestling, basketball, football, baseball, and track. It wasn't until my sophomore year of high school that I started considering college athletics for track and field. It was during that season where I started to get noticed for my track performances, but I had no idea what to do with this information. I started to do my own research and eventually ended up paying for an online recruiting service to help me through the process. During this time, I was provided with many tools and knowledge on things like what schools and level of college athletics I should be considering, how to contact college coaches and what to say, the rules and guidelines behind college recruiting, and many other things. Over the next year or so, I had a better understanding of where I belonged and eventually committed to the University of Iowa during my senior year of high school. Fast forward to today, and I have now been at Iowa for four years, running and obtaining my degree in sports and recreation management. Over this time, I have continued to learn about the recruiting process and discovered things that I wish I had known when I was in high school. And now, I want to share those nuggets of information with you all. To kick off this first episode, I brought in a very special guest to talk with you about various topics within college recruiting, which include, but are not limited to, his personal recruitment story, how to be prepared from an academic standpoint, how to determine what level of college is right for you, along with tips for current high schoolers who are considering the college route. Today, you will hear from Austin West, a current fifth-year decathlete on the University of Iowa track and field team. For those of you who may be unaware of the decathlon, the decathlon consists of 10 different events that are performed across two consecutive days, and whoever's point total is the greatest after all 10 of those events wins the whole decathlon. Austin brings a wealth of knowledge about college athletics and what it takes to be successful at the Division I level. He is currently the school record holder in the decathlon, a multiple-time Big Ten point scorer and medalist, a multiple-time All-American, and has achieved academic All-Big Ten and academic All-American status on multiple occasions. He has also started his own business recently called Austin West Performance, which has been an opportunity for him to train high school athletes, along with being a platform for him to provide insight on the recruiting process and help athletes from various sports understand what to expect. With Austin's background and experience, I hope you are able to have many informative takeaways and better understanding of the recruiting process. So with that, let's get to my conversation with Austin West. Austin, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to sit down and chat with me. Of course. I'm looking forward to it. So I wanted to start out with letting the audience get to know you a little bit better. So if you want to just give me a little introduction of where you grew up, where you went to high school, where you're going to college now, what year you are, your major your position in track and field, things like that? Yep. So uh, I grew up in Iowa City, so didn't go far for college. Grew up a Hawkeye fan, everything like that. I went to Iowa City West High School, so a proud Trojan over here. Uh, now in college, I'm in my fifth year. Um, I was an exercise science and a history major, and I'm a sport and rec management and a psychology minor. So just wrapping those up this semester as I'll move on to sport and rec management grad school next semester. Um, and then as far as athletics, uh, I'm on the track and field team here uh, where I do the decathlon. So yeah, it's been a, been a fun ride so far. And yeah, I'm just really excited to do this podcast. So go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about how you got to where you are, you know, just a little bit of background 
of why Iowa and, you know, why the decathlon and the multis? Yeah. So I felt like I always kind of wanted to be a Hawkeye growing up, you know, when I, you got all the football games or all the basketball games, uh, the Hawkeye fandom runs deep in the state of Iowa. So I think that played a, a big role in my decision as well as just kind of staying close to home and being by my family. As far as choosing the decathlon, uh, growing up, I played pretty much every sport under the sun. So I think just all those experiences bundled up together paved the path for me to be a decathlete where I have a lot of different experiences to pull on. And going into college, um, after kind of my junior track season, I knew that I was going to run track and I didn't want to go from doing all of that. You know, I played football and baseball in high school as well as running track. And so I didn't want to go from doing three different sports to just running one event every single day. So I'm lucky enough to where I have the frame and skill set to do it, where it wasn't just I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have coaches that actually saw that in me. I think that took a leap of faith because I hadn't done, I think, eight out of the 10 events, at least at a remotely respectable level. So those two things really worked out for me. And yeah, when I heard about the decathlon, I was kind of sold on the idea. I thought it was really unique and thought it'd be an avenue to where I have success with. And it's harder than I thought it would be, but it's worked out better than I thought it would as well. So uh, just a lot of luck along the way, but yeah, it's overall been an awesome experience. And so I'm just a little curious too, what were some other schools that you were looking at besides Iowa and how did you know that division one was right for you out of high school? Yeah. So I think division one is a goal for a lot of kids. And I think sometimes that can be blinding. I'm lucky enough to have made it division one, but I think a lot of people could easily get stuck in that D one or bust mindset. But just starting the recruiting process, you know, you'll get letters from small D3s and then you might get, uh, I, I had a couple like in school visits in like a conference room in the guidance office or something. Uh, so kind of stepped up to that. And then, you know, you'd get a letter from a D1. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm big time now. And you just kind of see how your time stack up to everyone else across the state. Um, so I, I think I knew I was going to go division one just when that interest really picked up. My coach helped me out a lot. Uh, he would email coaches for me. I never reached out to coaches personally, but he kind of did that. And I think it helped the coaches have like kind of a sense of authority. You know, I'm not just a random kid reaching out. It's a respected head coach of a pretty successful track program. Uh, so he, he helped me a lot there. And yeah, I got to set up four official visits. So went to Iowa, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Arkansas. I just felt most at home at Iowa. I think I probably could have had success at other programs, but probably not at the level that I've had at Iowa. And Getting to meet some of the guys on the team now, I, I really enjoy practicing with them and traveling around with them, so I think I made the right decision. And so I know you, you just kind of touched on it a little briefly, but were there any opportunities for you to really educate yourself, or was it just you were learning as you went and just kind of figured it out as you got older, and then your coach helped you a little bit? So just kind of tell us a little bit about how you were able to educate yourself through your own process. Yeah, so I didn't do any like formal education or anything like that. A lot of it was just kind of like self-education. I got like, you know, looking up different stuff on different websites. Uh, I didn't use any recruiting databases or anything like that. So a lot of it was just kind of understanding the timeline of like when you can reach out to coaches and they can respond or when they can call you, when all those windows open up. And then I'm lucky enough to have a sister who's well-established in the recruiting field now. She's a a director of on-campus recruiting at uh, West Virginia for their football team. So a little bit different given that they're a big-time sport and tracks a non-revenue sport. But 
she was still young in her career back then, but she uh, she gave me a lot of a lot of help all those years ago. So uh, having that resource is really good, as well as just kind of experiencing the recruiting process as you go along. You know, I remember being very very nervous for my first phone call with a with a coach, and then you kind of understand how they go. It's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like you're just talking to someone. You talk to people every day. It's no different. So just kind of the experience helps. And I, I coach at a high school now. So that's why I try and tell some of the kids that are asking me about the recruiting process. It, it's really really fun, and it is a big deal, but it's not that serious of a deal like you can be yourself and you should find where you want to spend four or five years at and yeah I I try and help as much as I can there but yeah I think that's that's a great tip especially with the high schoolers you know that's kind of always a big question of when you're in high school is like what can I do and you know how can I make myself best available to coaches and things like that so I think that's some great tips that you're you're offering there, and we'll get a little bit more into that uh, down the line here. But just what other takeaways do you have from your process that you would like to share with the listeners here? And it doesn't have to be totally sport specific. Um, it can just be general information for like any students or athletes that are wanting to continue on their education at the college level. Yeah. So preparing academically is really easy. You know, you have to be able to get into the school. So, you know, if you have a really high GPA and you have a high ACT, a lot of doors are going to open for you. And we used to always get stressed this in high school where your GPA matters. It's weighted from freshman to senior year equally. So going to high school with that expectation, like, hey, I'm going to get good grades. So you're not getting, you know, C's and D's early on and it's really pulling your GPA down. So I remember hearing that and I always thought that was a good tip where like a lot of the time your freshman classes are really easy. So get A's in those. And then, you know, as the harder classes come around, a B or C isn't that big of a deal. Other than that, yeah, studying for the ACT or SATs, if you're in a state that does that, I think it's really important. Uh, yeah, like you have to be able to get into school and coaches are going to want to see someone that's responsible and can handle the rigors of high school academics. Because if you can do that, there's a higher chance you can achieve success in the college classroom. And if you can't do that in high school, it's probably unlikely you're going to do it in college uh, with all the freedom and more expectations and everything. So, yeah, just being able to, to handle your work in the classroom is really important, I think, not only for the academic reason, but also just it kind of shows you as a person that you're committed and you can handle tasks and you can be trusted to do things. So my next question for you going off of that is how would you recommend a potential student athlete go about getting college coaches to notice them and how how do they need to figure out what level is right for them? You know, division one, like you said, is everyone's goal most of the time, but that's not always where you realistically should end up, or you may not realistically have the chance to get recruited by a division one school. So how can a potential student athlete consider, okay, do I belong at the NAIA level, the JUCO level, division one, two, three, what are kind of your thoughts on that? So I think it's great that Division One is a goal for a lot of people. If, if something can get you working harder and being more committed, I think that's great. Um, but as far as getting yourself in front of coaches or starting the recruiting process, I think the big thing with track and field especially is that you get numbers to your name. Like everyone knows how fast of 100 you can run. There's no tape that coaches have to watch to see like, oh, can you play this position or are we going to move him inside to whatever can he really play the five in college basketball like you get a time for the hundred you get a time for the two you get a distance for the throws and a height for the jumps and everything uh, so i think that makes track and field recruiting a lot more straightforward uh, where you're either 
fast enough or you're not. Obviously, there's some leeway in there with things that maybe someone has more potential than another person. Um, but yeah, just starting the recruiting process, I'd say be an active role in your recruiting process. A lot of athletes that are Division One are not going to just be sitting by the phone getting calls every day because they're that good. We have you know, probably an average of 50 to 70 people per roster uh, in college track and field. And coaches do not have that much time to be calling, you know, 300 athletes to fill out their 50 athlete roster. So be an active role or be an active player in your recruiting process. So be emailing coaches or calling them. Emailing is probably a lot easier. I wouldn't want a cold call coach. But yeah, be emailing people. And then within that, you got to say your times, obviously. Talk a little bit about yourself, uh, what you're interested in academically. And and then you got to include, you know, GPA, SAT, ACT, stuff like that. How they can reach out, maybe a coach's email or coach's phone number where they can, you know, ask questions about you to them, what your prospective major is. All these things are important to see if you're the right fit. Because if you're dead set on being, you know, an engineering major and they don't have an engineering program, it's probably not a great fit. Yeah, just, just finding a place where you're at least interested in one of their majors or if you know exactly what you want to do, that they have that program and preferably a good program. And I know this may not be your expertise across all the sports, but tell us a little bit about your knowledge of how scholarships work and what someone should know when they're considering what level they want to be at. Like you're saying, um, they should know how many scholarships are, are offered in their specific sport. And again, I know you, you don't have the knowledge of like every single sport at every single division, but just talk a little bit about track and field and how the scholarships work and what a potential student athlete can expect from that side of things. Yeah. So, I mean, scholarships are a huge part of the recruiting process. I think if there's one number that shows how much a coach wants you, it's probably the scholarship offer. So the, the way that scholarships work at the division one level is that we have 12.6 scholarships. And you can divide that up however you want. So in other sports like football, they get 85 and it's all or nothing. You either walk on or you're getting your tuition and room and board and everything paid for. Like track, you can get anywhere from a dollar to a full ride. So knowing that fact, I think, is really important. Um, a lot of people are just thinking, oh, I want to get a, a scholarship. But a scholarship can mean a lot of different things in the world of track and field. So understanding that and kind of knowing where you're at on the, the pecking order, whether that be where you're ranked at in the state or where you're ranked at in the nation will kind of show you a, a range of what you should be offered. Um, and I would just let them know that getting a full ride out of high school is very, very rare. They have to pay their studs that they already have on their team. And high school kids are a little bit of a gamble as well as, you know, you, you just have some room for development and they have to, they can't just give you a fold. I think there's a little more risk there. So I think if they, they understand that they might be getting a quarter of a scholarship or they might be getting a dollar amount, you know, maybe a couple grand, or they might be walking on. I think it's, it's a good expectation. And then it ties back into the importance of schooling. You know, if you can get your tuition paid for academically, then it becomes a lot easier to go to college and you don't need a full ride. The funds are going to be an issue where you can't afford college, but you're pretty fast and you're pretty smart. You can kind of get uh, your tuition covered, you know, half by track and half by academics. That's a really, really good way to, to cut down uh, being an athlete is a privilege, but also because you get paid to do it. People that go to college just to be regular students, they just get academic money. But you can get academic money and athletic money and stack that and make college a lot more affordable. And I think that's something that not everyone understands. You know, people initially think when they're trying to get recruited that, oh, I'm going to go somewhere and they're going to give me a full ride like football. Like everyone just kind of sees 
football is like the baseline for most of the scholarship opportunities. And unfortunately, I think it's a surprise to some people, especially like in track and sports like that, where they have less scholarships to give and they have to really divide it up, that it can be eye-opening sometimes. And people sometimes choose a school just because they may be the best athlete on the team and the coaches are going to give them all of the money. Or you may have to make a sacrifice. And if you want to be on a good elite team, you may have to take less money your first year and then eventually build up and build that credibility and get to where you're getting an 80, 85% uh, of a full scholarship. So I think that's, that's a great input that you have there. And that's something that maybe not necessarily everyone um, really understands. Yeah. And just to touch on the other levels as well, I know we're both division one athletes. So that's kind of what we talk about, but like with my high schoolers, I tell them all the time, don't be D1 or bust. And I'm out here just talking about the Division one level. Uh, so D2 has just less scholarships, but it's the same thing where they can break them down however they want. And then Division three is all academic money, no athletic scholarships. Uh, so I think there are some ways they get around that, giving academic money on athletic merit. And then for NAIA, they also give money. They're not tied to the NCAA. They're their own ent- entity. And then JUCO, I think, has potentially the most scholarships, given the fact that their schooling cost is reduced. But yeah, everyone thinks that the hierarchy is like D1, D2, D3, then JUCO, but that is not the case at all in track and field. It could be in some sports, but not at all in track. So I wanted to transition into a little bit of a different topic and give you a little shout out here with the uh, Austin West performance. Um, Follow him on Instagram and check that out. But as you're wanting to become a coach in the future and you're coaching right now at Iowa City West High for their track and field team. Tell me a little bit more about what you're trying to achieve through that. And as you've already talked about a little bit, how you are using that platform to help educate specifically track and field athletes, but just how you're educating athletes in general on the college recruiting process. And, you know, if they're interested, how they can get started now and what sort of expectations they could see. Yeah. So one thing I'm really thankful for is that I can just coach at my old high school. You know, I'm I'm on the coaching staff that a lot of those coaches coached me. Um, and so having that relationship with my old coach, I think has been really beneficial to where maybe if I, if I left, if I went to an Oklahoma and Arkansas or Wisconsin, those schools I visited, I wouldn't have that same connection. So I think that's really valuable having uh, coach Craig, the head coach at Iowa city West to have him be just with open arms, uh, having me coach, I think has been really beneficial. Um, but as far as what I'm trying to accomplish there, I just want to start my coaching career. So I know I'm the worst coach I'm ever going to be right now, and I'm going to be a better coach tomorrow and hopefully an improved coach the day after that. Uh, so I'm just trying to learn. I think uh, I've learned a lot already. Uh, I've learned that I can do some things really well, and I've learned that I have a lot of shortcomings. You know, there are a lot of days of practice. I just see something. I just kind of have a blank stare. I'm like, oh, I have no idea what to do here. So I think that's some really valuable experience. I get to work specifically with just a lot of the varsity guys, which I think is really nice. And part of my role there is I think being young, I think that's one of my one of my strengths is that I can connect to them really well. Not that we have an old coaching staff or anything, but uh, I think, yeah, that's one thing I'm trying to accomplish is connect to them and to give them someone to look to as someone that's achieved what they want to. I think everyone, especially those that are track specific, uh, I can be a resource. I think we have a handful of D1 guys on the roster, which is really uh, cool. Um, And getting to help them has been a really fun experience. But just showing them that like it can be done, like I went through their program and did it, I think is good. And obviously being able to answer any questions that they have. Um, but as far as coaching goals, I'm, I tell them all the time, like I'm not coaching for fun. Like I want to build a good team. Like 
if we're not chasing a state championship, like that's got to be the goal. And uh, luckily we have some really good athletes. So I think that's what I'm trying to accomplish is let's have a good team and then let's get these kids to achieve their goals that they want, whether that be on the track this year, next year, or, you know, down the road, you know, signing to a school that they want to go to. Yeah. And I think that that's a really great what you're doing um, across the board. But I also wanted to ask you about with the Austin West performance, little business you got going on in the fall. I know you were helping baseball players too. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so talk a little bit about that. And if you intend to help other people outside of track, just prepare, not on, not necessarily for their college careers, but how you're helping people across various sports now in their high school careers? Yeah, so I have uh, one small group of baseball players from different high schools around the the area um, that I help. Yeah, just once a week working on speed. I think baseball in general is a sport that they don't really tap into the athletic side. If you look at baseball players, they don't always look the most athletic. That could be their uniform. That could just be a lot of different things. But baseball is a sport of a lot of standing around. So I think adding in some speed work, with them has been really, really important. Uh, just like the faster you are, the harder you're going to throw, the higher your exit velocity is going to be. And so I think that's another benefit of having that multi-sport background is that I can coach these people with an idea of what the demands of their sport are. And then, you know, they have showcases, which is basically a track meet, you know, like they're running a 60 yard dash. Like that's basically a track event. You know, they're swinging off a tee, getting exit velo. That's basically the discus. It's very similar. So you, you get these events that they're getting scored on, and all of a sudden you put them together for a recruiting profile. That sounds a lot like the decathlon to me. So getting to help kids in that aspect, I think has been really beneficial. When they haven't had speed work, they get a lot faster really quickly. So it makes me feel like I'm a really good coach, which is a plus. And yeah, I, I think having the pull of a lot of different sports has been beneficial. And, you know, they're feeling faster. They're, they're always telling me, yeah, like I've been making some plays I didn't really expect. Like we have one kid who plays tennis as well. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to balls I never thought I would. So I think them seeing the tangible results has been really beneficial. And yeah, it's just fun to be around a team. So I coach at Regina. I guess I'm on their staff for coaching baseball. At least I, I help out in their preseason practices, but I don't coach any skill work at all. And I think they're seeing tangible results, which is awesome. It's also a sign that they have a good coaching staff because they don't need a bunch of help. You know, they, they run really good practices there. Uh, they know what they're doing. They bring in the, the right guys for the right job. So I do have a, a big track background. So that's how I like to train a lot of kids but I also do understand the the demands of their sport. So I can cater my knowledge to have them achieve the best things that they can in their sport. Yeah. And that kind of goes into the next thing I was going to bring up is that we live in a very different world today where unfortunately a lot of young athletes think that stepping away from that multi-sport approach is going to help them in the long run or help them in the moment be the most successful athlete that they can. And so I think it's great that you're bringing in, you know, some of the the basics like in baseball, just running and sprinting, but it's also like, those are some track movements, I guess, that you would say that you're kind of bringing into a different sport and crossing over that's actually helping them. So just kind of given your background in track and field, all the other sports you played, but as well as your health and human phys knowledge. Talk to us a little bit about your opinion on how kids nowadays are choosing to be like one sport athletes instead of multi-sport athletes and how that can affect them um, both maybe athletically with their performances and also injuries, just things like that. 
yeah, early specialization is not a good thing. So I think that's defined typically as age 15 or earlier. So looking at freshmen or sophomores in high school. So I'm not saying you have to play eight sports in high school through your senior year to be good. Uh, and you can definitely play one sport and not get overuse injuries or anything like that. As long as you kind of periodize through the year and, and are getting a whole different bunch of uh, training buckets filled, I guess, if you will. Like you can do it the right way, but the problem is in the high school setting that they're just training you as a baseball player or just training you as a basketball player. And it's just, it's asking too much of the coaches to like have a holistic training program year round because you got some kids that he's going to swim or some kid's going to run track and some kid's going to play baseball. It's just, it's really hard to do that. So you get these kind of generally catered things for athletes and they might not get what they're missing from playing the lack of sports. So it's definitely possible to be a single sport athlete and have success. It's especially for high skill sports. Uh, you see people like gymnasts, they are gymnasts only from the time they are six to, you know, they have, they have short careers, but when the, the time they retire in like their twenties or whatever. So uh, golfers are the same way. Really high level golfers are not playing football and whatever, but for the general population, the, the track athletes, the football players, the basketball players, I would highly, highly suggest being a multi-sport athlete just for the mental and physical break as well. If you're moving the same way year round, your body doesn't like that. So just kind of train different movement patterns that you're not getting exposed to as well as just, yeah, that mental freshness of like transitioning into and out of what you'd call your main sport, I think helps keep the, the love for the sport high. And yeah, if you are a single sport athlete, you just have to be training a lot of different ways. You know, you can't just be playing 200, 300 games of basketball a year. Your body is going to break down. It might, you might get to division one level, but then you're going to have aches and pains. Your knees are going to hurt when you're 16 and it's just not a healthy way to sustain life long term as well as reach your athletic peak. You know, the earlier you specialize, the earlier you're going to hit your peak. And that's one thing I think we've both thought of at the University of Iowa is that I've gotten better every single year. And I mean, you were a very successful football player. Uh, you didn't just run track. I played two sports. I think that's probably played a role. I mean, we're also at a really good track program, which is nice. But yeah, just seeing consistent success that, you know, we didn't dive all in on our one sport in high school. But now that we have, we can continue to get better. But if you train like a division one basketball player when you're 12 years old, you're just capping your ceiling because when you get to that division one level, you've been doing that for six years. Like it's not new. You're not going to get much better. So yeah, I highly recommend the multi-sport path, but it's not the only way to do it. Yeah. And then from your perspective as a future college coach, and from what you know about college coaches now across any sport, that seems to be kind of the thing they're they're looking for. Am I right? Yeah, hundred percent. If I were to recruit today, I, I don't think it'd be the first question. Or are you multi sport athlete? It'd probably be like, what are your grades like? But it'd definitely be high up on the list. I feel like we see a lot of kids have like really good times in high school, and they're just like, oh, like I thought they'd be a superstar in college. And it's just like they they do well, but they don't take that next step. I think a lot of the times it's because they were running club track for 10 years. Right. Not saying club track is bad. I'm just saying that's potentially why you don't keep improving because you got all you could when you're 17, 18 years old. So I'd look at that 100% because we're in the state of Iowa where it's barely getting bearable outside and it's April and their state meet is like middle to late May. So they're getting good training in for maybe eight weeks tops. So if you look at someone that they're not doing that and then going to do club track and then training with their private coach in the fall and the winter all to do it all over again. You're looking at someone that maybe they're the starting point guard, you know, maybe they're a thrower, maybe they're the starting four on their, on their basketball team, or they're the star receiver or they're, you know, maybe they wrestle, maybe they swim, maybe they do whatever. 
But if they're only invested in track for two or three months a year and they're fast and they can jump high and they can throw far, they have so much more potential than someone that's, you know, wringing out the towel, getting as much as they can out of their high school career. It's where they might be a little bit better, but their potential is way capped compared to the multi-sport athlete. Yeah. And I think that's something very important that the younger generation really needs to understand a little bit more. Um, you know, that's something that college coaches are really looking for. And I think that is a vital component when you're trying to get recruited at, at any level. They want someone who can who can do it all. And even at some smaller schools like an NAIA school or Division three school, if you're successful out of high school in multiple sports, you may be able to use that to your advantage and play multiple sports in college if it if it lines up. So if you're a really good football player and track athlete at a NAIA school, then you can play football through the fall and you're still getting a little bit of training in. And then once your season's over, you can transition right into track and continue to do that. I know I've had a lot of friends who, who have done that. So I think that's why you should continue to not just specialize in one sport in high school, but do more than one because you may end up being able to, to do both in college. Yeah. In my experience, I thought I was going to play football in college, at least the first two years of high school. Um, and then as a backup plan, I was going to pitch. So I went out for track my freshman year and I didn't like it. I didn't know anyone. I didn't like what we were doing. And so I was like, well, I'm playing three other sports. Like I can let track go. Like you can always pick it up later. So I ended up going back out my sophomore year and then I had a little bit of success, got to run some relays. I definitely wasn't a star athlete, but you know, I got to be maybe the third or fourth best 400 guy. So I was running on a, a fast four by four, which was fun. Maybe run the open four and another relay at a meet. And I was having fine success, like qualified for state, but I wasn't, I wasn't winning state as a sophomore or anything. And so I, I didn't really think much of it. I always kind of knew I was a little fast and I didn't think anything of it. But if I was just a football only guy, I would have played football and then I maybe would have played in college. I wasn't that spectacular. Um, if I was a baseball only guy, I think I would have probably pitched in college, but I don't know if I would have been that spectacular. Having that track background not only helped my other two sports, I think speed was very important for both football and baseball. If I didn't run track and if I wasn't fast, I wouldn't be around the bases. And that, that was a lot of fun for me. And along with that, like I'm a division one track athlete now that wouldn't even have considered themselves a track athlete until like middle of their junior year of high school. So if I just had this single minds, like the single sport mindset, I wouldn't be an all American now. Like I wouldn't have the friends I have now. I wouldn't have the life I have now. So you never know what your main sport's going to be. And you never know what like love for sport will, will do to you and, and where you might find it. So the last thing I kind of wanted to get in here a little bit was just any last like recommendations that you have now that you have been through five years almost of college and college athletics. What can someone who's looking to go to college, regardless if they're playing a sport or not, what can they expect that first year to be like in that transition phase? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge transition. I remember going from junior high to high school or elementary school to junior high, being all nervous. And high school to college is just completely different. So you get a whole bunch of freedom. And, you know, that's that's true for athletes and non-athletes. You know, you get to, to live on your own for the first time and, and kind of figure yourself out a bit. Uh, so I think understanding that that transition is about to hit is something that I think everyone knows, but they don't quite uh, realize. And I think that's one of the benefits of being an athlete is that you have a group already. 
So in track, like we have our event groups in football, you have the team or you have your position group. If basketball is a smaller sport. Maybe you have your freshman recruiting class or something. So I think having that group is really helpful and you're going to have a lot of resources to help you with your transition in college, whether that be academic people or your coaches or whoever, you can find someone that you really connect to and, and they can help you out with. Uh, so I think it could be almost easier to transition in sport, at least on the social and school side, than it is for just students. But as far as what you can expect from the transition, is it's just that. It's a big transition. So there's going to be growing pains, and you know, you're know you probably not going to step in and be the star athlete. And I think if you expect that, you're not the star athlete. You're in a much better place mentally than you're expecting it, and all of a sudden you're third on the depth chart, and you're like, oh, like what happened? Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're redshirt in your first year, which is what I did and what I think was really beneficial now. Just because there are growing pains doesn't mean you're not going to succeed. Like you are growing. It's not a, a permanent pain. You'll figure it out. You'll be okay. And yeah, just kind of have that understanding that things take time. And, and then when it clicks, it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that along with everything else you've shared with us today has been much appreciated and very insightful for those who are going to listen to this podcast and for those who have any sorts of questions about the recruiting process um, across the board. So thank you so much for joining me today and for providing all your wonderful insight and good luck on the rest of your season. Appreciate it. Thank you. What a great way to start off our first episode. Thank you again to Austin providing some very insightful information that I hope you all were able to find very helpful in your own journeys. If you have any further questions on the recruiting process, please reach out to me at grant-conway at uiowa.edu. Thanks again for listening to this pilot episode of Signed, Sealed, and Committed.